Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling? I'm so um, excited for this one. We're in 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13. I got a lot to cover. There's so much that takes place in this chapter. So um, I'm going to get right into it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity we have, Lord. Father, I pray that we never take for granted that we we are able to, to spend time reading your word, reading the words that you spoke over your people, Lord God. And Father, we can use that as as a as a blueprint for how to live our own lives. Father, be with us during this time, Lord God. I pray that uh, it be your words heard, not mine. That I would fade to the background, but but you, your Holy Spirit, your Son Jesus Christ, would be at the forefront of everything that we do during this time. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get into it. First Samuel thirteen, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand, which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, and the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Verse 16, 
Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present present with him remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Afra, to the land of Shul. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon. And another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zebon toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his maddox, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for a sharpening was a pin for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Amen. Amen. All right. So Saul had just become king, you know, and it says um, he had reigned two, uh, reigned two years over Israel. And he chose for himself in verse two, uh, 3,000 men of Israel. Now, this was the first um, uh, regular army, we could say, um, of Israel, uh, because previously Israel only had really had militias. Um, that would assemble in times of need, times of distress. And now for the first time, Israel had a professional army, 3,000 men. And this is, and it, it also talks about Jonathan, Saul's son. This is the first mention of Jonathan in the Bible. And he's going to be a he's gonna be a prominent part of the rest of the book of 1 Samuel. Um, it says in verse 3 that Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines. And, and Jonathan was a, was a really good leader. He was a really a, a remarkable military leader, and, and he he repeatedly demonstrates the ability to lead successful attacks. Yeah, this attack it, it really just weakened the Philistines, and 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 Israel had enjoyed the peace, the quote peace of being a subjugated people um, of the Philistines. You know, it's it's almost like everything will be fine as long as you take your place of subjugation, and that's a word for somebody here. You know, sometimes we're subjugated to, to to our sin, you know, and everything is fine as long as we remain remain subjugated to that. And 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 when Jonathan he attacked the Philistine garrison, it was as if he was saying, "We're not going to just surrender to the Philistines any longer. It's time to fight," you know. And and and, and so, brothers and sisters, it may be time for you to fight. Maybe time for you to stand up, tighten your belt, and fight. And it says that Israel has also become an abomination to the Philistines. As long as the Israelites stayed in their weak and defeated place, the, Phil the Philistines thought that they were good people, right? But as soon as the Israelites showed boldness and courage against, against them, the Philistines now consider them an abomination. And this same principle is true spiritually in our lives. You know, we don't war against armies of the Philistines, but according to Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. But our spiritual enemies have the same attitudes as the Philistines. As long as we remain in a weak uh, place, as long as we re remain slaves to, to, to our spiritual enemies, they don't mind us at all. Because we remain, we're quiet. 
You know, we don't, we don't do nothing, you know, and, and they may even view us positively. But as soon as we show some boldness, brothers and sisters, and courage against the Lord's enemies, our spiritual foes consider us an abomination, right? That's a good place as far as I'm concerned. Let our let our enemies think we're abomination because we're standing up for something. We're standing, we're standing boldly for, for righteousness. If, if listen, listen, if peace with the devil is more important to you than victory in the Lord, you will often be defeated and remain in slavery. I'm gonna say this again. If peace with the devil is more important to you than victory in the Lord, then you will often be defeated and you will remain in slavery. And verse four says, all Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked the Philistines. Saul, who wasn't even there, plainly took the credit for Jonathan's uh, victory. And, and this was this, was, this, this showed where his heart was. It shows the character of Saul. His, his own sense of insecurity would not allow anyone else, not even his own son, to receive any credit. You know, he needed to drink in the praise of the people. And it says in verse 5 that the Philistines assembled 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. The Philistines, angered by this attack, um, gathered this huge army to try to crush Israel. And, and, and 30,000 chariots is a massive number, right? Considering all Israel had was 3,000, right? It's a little bit of a difference, you know? You know, and when, when um, verse six, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, Jonathan was bold enough to launch this initial attack against the Philistines. But the men of Israel, they were not bold enough to now stand strong against the enemy in great fear. They, it says they, it says the people were distressed. They were so afraid of this army that they hid in caves and, and rocks and holes. You know, they were so afraid of, of the Philistine army. Some of them fled across the Jordan River. This was a very, very low point in Israel. And many of them probably thought what we really need is a king. A king would solve our problems. Right. And now they had a king. And their problems were still there. We often think that think that, that we, we can fix our problems, you know, and, and it's not even going to help at all. See, God intended to teach them the vanity of their confidence in a man. And that they needed the help and favor of God more than ever, be, ever before when they had no king. Now that they had a king, they needed God even more. But as for Saul, verse 7, it says he was still in Gilgal, you know? So, so what was he doing in Gilgal? Well, we read in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 11 that that's where he was, he was confirmed as king, you know? And here he is there all this time later, still there, still in Gilgal, you know? Maybe it was, maybe it was that he was, he was still partying all this time. You know, two years later from, from being crowned king, you know, maybe he, he, he thought, well, now that I'm king, I really got, don't got to do anything. I don't got to fight no more. I can just chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm just going to hang out here. I don't know. But the men of Israel expected more of him, right? And um, 
They they honored Saul as king, but they were really af- afraid. They were really afraid, you know. And and, and so so what was what were they going to do? So Saul he waited seven days. Samuel told him to wait. He waited seven days, you know. And with the current crisis that he was facing, every day now seemed more and more important. You know, he's waiting for 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 Samuel to come to receive a word from Samuel to receive guidance and and an instruction from Samuel. And Samuel hadn't come yet, you know. And Saul knew that the Philistine army was assembling; they were assembling against him, and and um, he probably felt that a, a quick response gave them the best chance to win the battle. So, so what did he do? Samuel told Saul to wait for him at Gilgal. So, so, so then Samuel could preside over sacrifices, and Israel, and then Israel could be ready for the battle. But it says Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered. Now this added to to to, to Saul's anxiety. First, it was the waiting for Samuel that that was stressful because Saul felt that 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 time time was his enemy, and but now the people were scattered from him. And he felt that the battle wouldn't be fought and that the plan wasn't working out. So when we feel like the plan isn't working out, what do we do? We take matters into our own hand, right? We mess up and take matters into our own hand. Instead of waiting on God, instead of waiting on on what he has planned for us, right? When God doesn't work according to our timetable, what do we do? We step in, right, to, quote, help the Lord. And we end up screwing everything up, right? So Saul, he offered burnt offering. This was extremely sinful for Saul to offer burnt offerings. Because first, Saul's disobeying Samuel. Saul is disobeying the prophet of the Lord. And, And second, Saul was a king. He wasn't a priest. He was a king, right? And only priests were to offer sacrifice. Saul had no business doing what the priests should do. And history shows how dangerous it is to combine religious and civic authority. And God would not allow well, God would not allow the kings of Israel to be priests, nor the priests to be kings. Second Chronicles 26 tells the story of King Uzziah. And he tried to do the work of a priest. And what did God do to him? He struck him with leprosy. Because he disobeyed the law of God out of fear, out of panic, out of not knowing what else to do. Saul did something that was very clearly sinful. And it says in verse 10, as soon as he had he was finished, right? As soon as he had finished presenting burnt offerings, that's when Samuel shows up. And Saul decided, you know, he he, he performed the sacrifice, and it was probably only a couple hours, you know. Maybe an hour or two before before uh, Samuel ends up showing up. But if he had trusted God and waited, how different things could have been for him. Because the last moments of waiting are usually the most difficult for us. And they powerfully tempt us to take matters into our own hands. But if we just hold on a little bit harder, hold on a little bit tighter, brothers and sisters, just come, just wait, because God is getting ready to move. Don't take things into our own hands. Allow God to be God. Why do we step in, you know, as if we know better than God, as if our timetable has ever 
ever, 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 ever been better than God. But we still do it and we mess up. We mess up. It says Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Now, now Saul is really overstepping his bounds because literally the, the Hebrew word, um, uh, the Hebrew text says that Saul wanted to bless Samuel, perhaps as a priest, bless his people. Now Saul really saw himself as a priest. First offering sacrifices, now wanting to give blessings. And Samuel says, what have you done? What have you done? You know, and it's not as if Samuel didn't know what he did. He knew exactly that he knew something was wrong. But he wanted to hear Saul repent. And he's not going to hear that. You know, he could probably smell the, the sacrifice in the air. You know, and, and but Saul did he, he didn't look for excuses, he didn't look for reasons because there was no valid reasons for what Saul had done. All Samuel wanted to hear was a confession. All he wanted to hear was repentance. But but it, it says Saul said, right? I think it's so important. Saul said, you know, his response is a classic example of a, of excuse making. It's, a, it's an example of failure to trust God. Line after line, Saul made his sin uh, made, made his sin worse with his excuses. It says, I saw that the people were scattered from me as if uh, uh, also like uh, um, I had to do something to get the people back, to gain back the support. I had to do something. But if Saul had obeyed and trusted God, God would have seen him to victory over the Philistines with or without the people, with or without the people. We've they already had so many stories of what God had done to for their people. Over, over the generations now, hundreds and hundreds of years. And Saul still had to take matters into his own hands. Perhaps many of the Israelites admire Saul for, for, for doing what he did, for, for offering sacrifice. You know, and Saul could have positive responses in, in, in the polling data, right? If, if the pollsters going around, I'm like, hey, do you trust in Saul? A lot of people would be like, yeah, we trust Saul. But he should have been more concerned with pleasing God. Then we're getting the support of the people. He goes on to say, you did not come within the days appointed. It's as if he's saying, Samuel, it's really your fault. You should have come earlier. I wouldn't have had to do this if you were here on time. Right? I don't know what Samuel was doing. He got, got caught in traffic. I don't know what he was doing. But he, did, but he didn't show up on time. And Saul blamed him. He blamed Samuel for his own sin. But again, if Saul had just obeyed and trusted God, God would have taken care of, of everything. Even if, even if, even if Samuel had been totally in the wrong, it didn't justify Saul's sin. And Samuel wasn't wrong. Okay, let me just say that. But you know, that's just that's just let's just think outside the box. What if Samuel had totally messed up in being late? It still does not excuse Saul's sin. And we often try to blame our own sin on someone else and place it at their feet as if it's their fault. He says in verse 12, the Philistines will not come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. It's as if Saul's saying we really needed God's help against the Philistines and we need it now. 
Now, now, now. So I had to do this. I had to offer sacrifice to the Lord. But again, if Saul had obeyed and trusted God, the Lord would have taken care of the Philistines. Saul could have made supplication to the Lord in many, in a number of ways. He could have just cried out to the Lord for a nation. He could have just prayed with a humble heart. But he did the one thing that he must not do, and that's offer a sacrifice. The one thing that he was not allowed to do because he was not a priest. He also says, I felt compelled. In other words, I had to do it. It just seemed like the right thing to do. I couldn't wait any longer. I had to do this. I had no choice. Even though he felt compelled, he was not supposed to be ruled by his feelings. He didn't have to sin. He didn't have to sin, but he still did it. He allowed his feelings, he allowed his emotions to dictate his actions. And how many times do we do that? We allow our feelings, right, to dictate. We, we, allow, we allow our anxiety, we allow our fear to dictate our actions. We see what's going on around us and we have to act, right? We have to do something, you know? And then what happens? We mess up, we sin, we fall short of the glory of God. The whole manner of Saul's explanation makes it clear that this wasn't a misunderstanding, right? You know, Saul didn't say, you know, did I do something wrong? Did I mess up? No, right away he offered excuses because he knew that he was wrong. He knew exactly what he did and probably thought of excuses ahead of time. As he was doing it, he was probably thinking of excuses. Okay, how can I justify his actions? And Samuel responds, verse 13, you have done foolishly this is this this is a stranger phrase than what we may think you know samuel wasn't saying that saul was unintelligent or he was he was dumb you know the bible speaks of the fool as someone morally and spiritually lacking that's what the fool when when, when you're called a fool in the bible you are morally and spiritually lacking he says you have not kept the commandment of the lord your god which he commanded you Despite all the excuses, all the reasons, all the blaming of someone else, the bottom line was still the bottom line. Samuel put it plainly, you have not kept the commandment of your God, of the Lord your God. God commanded Saul to do something, and he did the opposite. Samuel says, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. The whole point in being a king was to to establish a dynasty and where your your sons and your grandsons and your, your you know and all all the way down the line would sit on the throne after you. But God tells Samuel that his descendants would not reign after him. And though he was king, he was king now, he would his uh, the Lord would not establish a monarchy in his name over Israel. But now, verse fourteen, your kingdom shall shall not continue. From these words, we, we might think that Saul was to be removed, removed immediately, you know, but Saul would continue to reign for the 20 years. Can you imagine that? That anxiety, that stress, you know, not knowing when your kingdom is going to end, right? You're told, like, after you, that's it. So the thoughts are going into your head, like, how is this going to end? What's going to happen to my sons? All the what ifs, what ifs for 20 years. And we're going to read about the things that, that happened to Saul after this, how he was tormented and all this stuff. You know, and I have no doubt part of that was the stress. The stress of knowing that your end is near. 
Because listen, what he did was no small sin. Because to disobey, in in, in this in the even in the smallest matters that as we perceive as small, still a sin. But there can be no little sin, because there is no little God to sin against. Our God is not a little God. Our God is the capital G God. So every sin matters to Him. And because you know the the actual judgment for this this was so far off, we should regard. Uh, Samuel's announcement of judgment as an invitation to repentance. You know, it's like, you know, you're not going to lose your kingdom now. You're going to lose it eventually. Saul had time to repent. He had time to ask for forgiveness, right? And many times when, when God announces judgment, he will relent if his people just repent. But what do we do? We sure don't repent, do we? We, we keep living in our sin. We keep living in our nonsense. We wallow in misery and despair. And that's exactly what Saul does. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Though God rejected Saul, he did not reject Israel. Because God loved Israel, he would raise up a king. He would raise up a man after his own heart. But Saul was a man after Israel's heart. He was all about image, about prestige, all all the things that men look at. But God will not give Israel a man after his own heart and raise that man to be the next king. It'd be very easy to say that the kingdom was taken from Saul because he sinned. And on one level, that was true. But it was more than that because David also sinned. Yet God never took the kingdom from David and his descendants. And in fact, David's descendants continued and still rule to this day because his descendant is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he still rules. He is still king. So David's kingdom is truly established forever. The the, the situation with Saul was bigger than an incident of sin. The issue was being a man after God's own heart. So what, what does this mean? Right? We can discover this by looking um, at the man who was not a man after his own heart, Saul, and comparing him to the man who was a man after God's own heart in David. Saul was was more concerned uh, with his will than God's will. But David knew God's will was more important. Even when David didn't do God's will, he still knew that God's will was more important. Listen, all sin is a disregard of God. But David sinned out of weakness. Saul sinned more out of disregard of God. A man after God's own heart enthrones God as king. For Saul, Saul was king. Saul was the ruler of Israel. But for David, the Lord God was king. Both David and Saul knew sacrifice before battle was important. But David thought it was important because it pleased and honor God, while Saul thought it was important because it might help him win his battles. That's really the only reason why he offered sacrifice. He thought it would help him win the battle. Now, he wasn't honoring God. He wasn't worshiping God. He wanted to win the battle. Saul thought that God would help him achieve his goals, but David thought, David thought that God was the goal. God was the reason. God was his purpose. A man after God's own heart has a has a soft and repentant heart. 
when Saul was confronted with his, his sin, he made excuses. Excuse after excuse after excuse. But when David was confronted with his sin, he confessed his sin and repented. 2 Samuel 2, 12, 13 says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Saul was confronted. He made excuses. David was confronted. He repented and asked for forgiveness. So verse 15, we're going to close here. Um, and there's, there's so much more in this chapter we can go over, but uh, um, time is running out. Um, it says Samuel arose. and so, so Samuel left, probably knowing that the this uh, announcement of judgment was an invitation to repentance and probably also knowing that Saul would not repent. You know, he had spent time with Saul. He knew the person that Saul was. He knew Saul was too prideful, too had too big of an ego. He got that crown and his head got bigger. He wasn't going to repent. And so now he's down, Saul's down to 600 men. Earlier, he had about 3,000 in the army. And now he's down to 600 men because they scattered while Saul was waiting for Samuel. The loss of so many men was probably the reason why Saul offered the sacrifices without Samuel. And it displayed a heart of distrust and disobedience in God. According to, to 1 Samuel 13, 5, the, the Philistines already had a huge army. Easily outmatching God's 300, or three, uh, outmatching Saul's uh, men. And God allowed the army to test Saul's faith, to see if he believed God was great enough to deliver him um, from so many with so few. Do you believe, brothers and sisters, that God is great enough? That God is big enough? God is strong enough? God is powerful enough? to defeat your enemies that are before you, no matter what you have on your side, what, what you perceive to have on your side, right? The abilities that you perceive to have, right? Do you believe that God is still greater? Do you believe that God is stronger than even the greatest army that you can ever face? Because it's so easy to look around you and just see your circumstances, right? It's really easy to look in the mirror and all you see all you see is what you can't do. All you see is your perceived inability. But God is true and real. And he says, look to me, right? Imago Dei, created in his image. We have the image of Christ in us, right? So when you're looking at yourself, instead of looking at all the, all the, the, the wrong quote wrong about you or your inabilities, look to the God that's in you. Look to the image of Jesus Christ that is in you. And then you can overcome anything because it's not about you. I'm sorry. I hate to bust your bubble, right? It's not about you. It's not about you. Who needs to hear that right now? It's not about you. I'm sorry. We all got big heads sometimes. We all have ego sometimes, but it's not about you. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ and his kingdom here on earth. We all have battles to fight. We all have things to overcome. All of us, every single person has something to overcome. Saul tried to, to uh, defeat his enemies through his own strength. He even did, you know, what a lot of people would perceive as the right thing to do in order to achieve that victory. But his heart was all jacked up. His heart was so wrong. Where is your heart today, brothers and sisters? Why are you serving the Lord today? 
Why do you offer praise and thanksgiving? Why do you spend time in prayer? Why are you on this soap right now? Is it just so you can check a box to say, look, I'm righteous. I've done what the right thing to do. Or are you doing this to truly get closer to God? Because I'm going to tell you right now that the only reason why you get on the 6 a.m. soap Monday through Friday is so you can check off a box and you can say, look at me, look at my name on the thing. I'm doing the right thing. You might as well stop right now because you're doing it for the wrong reason. But if you're on here, if you're spending your own time with the Lord, when you go to church and you're all, and you're worshiping and you're doing it for the right reason, you're doing it just to worship our Lord and Savior, not to get anything but because he's deserving of all honor and praise, then your heart's in the right place. I'm going to stop now because I'm going to keep going. And the elders on this call, they're going to cut me off. They're going to say, Pastor Jason, you need to stop talking right now. But listen, where is your heart? Be like David. And here in the coming chapters, we're going to start talking about David, right? And, and we're going to be learning so much more about, 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 about David and how David had a man after his own heart, after God's own heart right? Model your worship, model your praise, model your thanksgiving after David and have a have a heart of God, right? Do not model after Saul, who was full of pride, full of ego, full of himself, right? And he ended up falling and then his entire family suffered the consequences. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that as we, 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 we go about our days, our weeks, our months, Lord God, that we would just continue just to look to you, look to you for everything that we need, look to you for all of the answers that we need, all the guidance, all the wisdom, all the discernment, Lord God. I pray, that, Lord, that as when we, when we have those, those, those times when we do look to our own strength, Father, that your Holy Spirit will just speak to us, Father, and just, 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 just course correct us, Father, back in the direction of you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, be with us. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters on this call and everyone listening later on on the, on the podcast or on YouTube, Lord Jesus, that you just be with them. Bless them. Keep them, Lord God. Guide them, Father. Give them supernatural wisdom and discernment, Father. Give them dreams and visions, Father, of what you have in store for them, what you want to do. You want them to do for your kingdom, Father. Lord, we praise you. We lift up your name. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. And I'll see you again next week. God bless.